This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Good Thursday afternoon. I hope you're having a great day. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh, and this is The Word to Stand On for Life, a radio program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your Bible questions or life questions. And today, since it's the date day edition of the show, uh, whatever's on your heart, you can ask Paula. All we need you to do is call us. That's 210-340-9585-340-9585. 9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll free at 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app and send your questions that way. If you are driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the Call Now banner at the top of the screen, and the rest of your conversation can be hands-free. And we would love to have your calls, whatever is on your heart or mind. Paula, welcome to the show. Thank you, baby. We've been hanging out all day today. It's been wonderful. You know what? Um, I have no shame, but my fingernails had been looking so bad. (laughs) Because the last time I got them done was March 19th. The day before, everything closed down until today. Two days ago, you said, Paula, it's it's a day and a wake-up. This morning I woke up, usually it's like, good morning, Jesus. You know, good morning, Holy Spirit. Good morning, Father. This morning it was like, Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get my nails done. <laughs> now, I know that's kind of, yeah, like, not very, not very spiritual, but. I'm ready to be a better Christian today. <laughs> My fingernails are done. I know that sounds so so shallow, but you, you, I, I'm, I'm, I don't see well. That's that's clear. But you showed them from the other day, and I said, Paula, I wish I hadn't seen that. I know. You say, "Ooh, sometimes not being able to see is a good yeah, thing." Yeah. Huh? I'm so sorry, baby. Yeah, but uh, I, I miss Tina. That's my lady. You know, <laughs> I had a hug, Tina. Yeah, yeah. The prices went up, but I said, I, I didn't tell her this, but I told you this. I would have paid double. <laughs> it was pitiful. Anyway, I'm back. Got my nails on. I'm feeling, feeling human again. But yeah, hanging out with you is, is always fun. And you look particularly cool. You got on a red shirt. You don't hardly ever wear red. You should wear red more often, babe. I couldn't hear what you said, would you? <laughs> I was distracted. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hey, we'd love to have your live calls and questions. Anything is on the table today. Paula, what's on your heart? Well, you know, I was thinking, your show? and you were funny because we were talking about this. The other day I, I was, did I email you? Yes, I emailed you and said, no, I told you. I said, um, I'm going to go home because I'm in the book of Acts. I'm, gonna, I'm at, the, at the part where I'm going to be reading about um, Ananias and Sapphira. And then I thought, no, I'm not. I've, I passed that a long time ago. But it's. Aquila and Priscilla that I, I met. And then t- this, and you said, oh, yeah, there's quite a bit of difference between those two. And yet there's, you were saying there's two um, couples in the, in the Bible that are just like, they're, they're all going the same way. <laughs> it's hard, and we've talked about this before, but it's, it's difficult to find examples of good marriages. Mm-hmm. You know, Amos 3.3 3 says, how can two walk together unless they agree to do so? And and really, Aquila and Priscilla are the only example of a husband and wife in a, in a positive context serving the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, most it's it's um, dysfunctional relationships, or or the the wife is barely mentioned at all. 
Um, but Priscilla and Aquila worked together. They had a very fruitful ministry. They were serving the Lord. And then today, I told you, the only other couple that was in complete agreement was Ananias and Sapphira. Mm. And, and their agreement, they were agreed together to do ill. Yeah. And, and uh, of course, they paid the price yeah, for they it. Yeah, uh, But um, Aquila and Priscilla stand out as an example of what it, what's required to have a godly marriage, a God-honoring marriage. And first and foremost, it's they were truly partners in the ministry. And I think what's especially um, um, significant about their relationship is that it seems as though Priscilla was the more gifted of the two in terms of teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's always mentioned first. She seems to be taking lead role, not in a I'm going to I'm going to subvert the word of God kind of way. Mm-hmm. But 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 her gifting and, and Aquila's gifting were different. And they seem to, to compensate really for one another, each other. with with um, um, great results. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, Apollos. Um, they heard Apollos, and it was like, "Hey, something's missing." Mm-hmm. And, and so they invited him to dinner and mm-hmm. sat him down and said, "You know, I don't. You forgot something, yeah, or yeah. maybe you didn't know something." Maybe you didn't know something. And he turned into one of the great forces mm-hmm. in the first century church. Mm-hmm. And and over and over, Paul says that they owed them. A great deal. They were helpful to him in his ministry. They worked alongside him. They were all tent makers, mm-hmm. uh, and, and so their their ministries were linked very closely with the Apostle Paul's. And uh, I think that's the only way we can really serve the Lord together, husband and wife. You know, we get that. I think it's a, a fallacious question all the time. Uh, well, well, a pastor, his first ministry's got to be to his wife, and and I always answer the same way. No. My first ministry, Paul's first ministry, is always to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And if we understand that, then Jesus sort of brings us together and and then we can walk together on that same path. And and uh, I, I just think it's sometimes um, badly misunderstood. You know, what's our relationship? It's not my relationship isn't, isn't to minister to you first mm-hmm. and then the church. Mm-hmm. No, it's our job to minister to Jesus and then follow him wherever he leads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If if um, I, yeah, I remember you trying to love me with your old stinky love, and me trying to love you with mine. You know, but putting Jesus, he's the one that tells me all the time, "Ooh, I love him so much." You know, and gives me a greater appreciation for, you know, the gift that you you really are to me and to this church. But yeah, if I didn't love Jesus first, you know, there's a whole bunch of times when. I just say, you know, get your own glass of water. Yeah, I mean, you know, just <laughs> your arm's not broken. <laughs> or, or like uh, with, you know, Priscilla Nicola, you know, she, like you say, she seems to be the one who kind of leads out. And doesn't mean she was smarter or anything like that. And probably just a little bit more, like, you're surely a little bit more mouthy, where she could say um, to Apollos, uh, baby, you know, now that I'm old, I find myself calling people baby and sweetheart. Now that I'm like a grandma, um, like everybody's my child. But she may have been the one who who would be able to say, you know, why don't you come over for dinner? We we just want to talk to you about something. And then what I do with you is, okay, now, Pastor Ron, I'll set the table. Now, you take it away. <laughs> <laughs> finish finish what I what I was going to say. They've they've told me their whole life story. Now you. Clean it up, would you please? Go ahead. But no, it, it's just, you know, I think sometimes we forget that whatever gifts we have are given to us by God. Yeah. And so it's not a matter of whether you're more gifted than I am or I'm more gifted than you are. It's just that the gifts that God has given us are the gifts that we're to operate in, to function in, and, um, and then it's the power of God working through us. And those gifts complement one another rather than uh, there being a competition. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's just it's so human of us to think, well, well, she's not more gifted than I am, or uh, I'm more gifted than, than she is. Um, and, and we just shouldn't think, well, what difference does it make? Whatever gifts God has mm-hmm. given you, I couldn't do the things that you do mm-hmm. on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, um, you're also a gifted teacher, but we teach so differently mm-hmm. in the no, way we you. approach things. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's the, 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 the beautiful diversity in the body of Christ. Um, no two people are the same. Mm-hmm. All we have to do is remember that every gift comes from God. Yeah. 
we can take no ownership of it. We can't take any pride in what we're doing. All we can do is do the best we can and let Jesus give us a high five and say, well done. Yeah, it's like, like the Lord is the orchestra conductor. And you hear that tap, tap, tap. Okay, now, everybody, you got your own instruments. You ready? You know, we're not going to have the timpani be louder than everybody else. And the French horn, when, when you get your turn, you just, that's your, that's your part. You're going to be a compliment. But everybody gets to participate. And, and you say, we get to make beautiful music together. So it's really kind of cool. So, yeah, Aquila and Priscilla. But you could tell she was never trying to um, one-up him at all. It was just, you know, like, like kind of with us. If you try to do that, you automatically forfeit the power of the Holy Spirit for sure to do anything at all. Yeah, because it's just not a you know, um, you know when when I first got saved and knew I was called to be a pastor, um, every pastor who preached, I was critiquing. Why well, wouldn't have said it that way? I would, you know. Well, that, that's why God couldn't use me back then because I was so full of me yeah. that it was just a matter. Now I'm one of those guys who's doing the preaching. And I know there are people out there doing the critiquing, uh-huh. and and it's it doesn't bother me. It's like you know that's what that's, that's what you do. I used to do that. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. but you got to be careful because if you touch the glory of God, you're going to lose any power to be used by God to do anything. Yeah, I love the fact that they were both so excited to be able to have Apollos uh, come alongside them and and work together because they <clears> say <throat> he was a fiery preacher, and so once he got. The rest of the story, man, how awesome. And he wanted to go what, to Achaia next, and, and he just wanted to tell everybody about Jesus. And so if when they departed, you know, they, they could go one direction, other people could go the other direction. And like Paul says, I love the fact that my kids are walking in the truth. And so, like you're saying, we could all split up and walking in the truth, telling more people about Jesus, and people get saved. Yeah, evidently, Apollos was like the Ephesians uh, in, in Acts chapter 19. You know, they'd heard that the Christ was coming, mm-hmm. and they were baptized into the baptism of John, uh, which didn't make them believers. They were disciples, but disciples of John. Mm-hmm. And and uh, Apollos, being an Alexandrian Jew, was so excited about the, the Christ is coming, he's coming. And I, I think he probably, every town he went into, he'd look, is he here, is he here? So he was excited and he was passionate and, and clearly a gifted orator. Um, but there was just no substance in his message. And Priscilla was the first one to acknowledge it. I, I can see her almost elbowing Aquila and saying, he didn't tell him about Jesus. Imagine what it was like when they invited him over to his house and they sat down and said, you know, Loved your message, um, but but there seemed to be an element missing. Are you aware mm-hmm. that the one you're preaching about has already been here? Yeah. He'd be like, what? No. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what he would have been like. And they would have told him, yes, it's Jesus of Nazareth. He was born. He He lived. He was crucified. He rose from the dead in fulfillment of the prophecies. And they would go through their Bibles together and show the prophecies. And and I imagine that Apollos was so excited that he could barely contain himself. You know? Do you think he went back to all the other places? You know what I told you before? It was all true, but... Yeah. I didn't tell you the end of the story. Let well, me tell you. We know he was an itinerant preacher. He probably went everywhere. <laughs> you know, boy, I was, I was, I was preaching this, but <laughs> I found out last yeah, night that yeah. he's already been here, yeah. and we can prove it from the scriptures. Yeah. And and the scriptures would have been opened up to him, I'll and it would have just been a marvelous moment for yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm in Acts two and Acts as well, and um, in Acts twenty. I was reading, and I, I, I'm kind of cracking up, Pastor Ron, because I found you. <laughs> oh, I love it. Now, the audience doesn't get that reference. so. Well, they will in a minute. Okay, so I'm going to start in Acts uh, chapter 20, verse 18. It says, when they, that's as Paul, um, from my leaders, Paul, went for the, um, sent for the Ephesian elders. And so when they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears. 
although I was severely tested by the plots, not the plot, but plots, plural, of the Jews. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I'm reading out of your Bible now. This is NIV, And you have publicly and from house to house underlined and circled. Verse 21, I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. That's not for you, Pastor Ron, that part. But, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. In my Bible, the uh, New Living Translation, would you read it? Because in there it says, I have one message. Did I not go far enough? Uh, let me see. I have one message, and that's you. One string guitar. <laughs> you say the same thing. And in, yesterday in prayer, um, one of the ladies was praying, and she said, kind of tearful, she said, um, thank you, Lord, that I've been here 25, almost the whole 25 years, and Pastor Ron has never changed. He's never changed. We've had scary things, scary times, but and he might have been scared, but he didn't let us see it. He's never changed. And I just, you know, I'm, I'm listening to this, and I'm thinking, Pastor Ron, oh, that's my husband. And, you know, I, I, I called you, your nickname is Mr. Foundation. And the, it used to kind of bug me, but I really am, um, what am I saying, secure and thankful because you are consistent. Because you remember at one time, can't you just be my husband? <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, no, I'm always your husband, but I'm always your pastor too. And that's the most um, secure place that I can be. God is always God Almighty, but he's always my father, and he's always my friend, but he's always God Almighty. And so um, that consistency is what I've needed. But, yeah, she, I, I was just like, oh, wow, you have been here the whole time. And the consistency is what makes Calvary Chapel San Antonio what it is. So God is the one the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if you're listening from orders from headquarters, you can't go off. And so that was just a, a total blessing for me that things happen, but you, you've not changed. Yeah, you know, Paul, I think there's two things that you said that are really important for any, anybody who's a Christian. But, but especially those of us who are in any kind of leadership position, I want to remind everybody listening, if you're a husband and a father, you're in a leadership position. But the two things that really, really um, stick as it relates to the, the ministry of the Apostle Paul is him being able to say to the Ephesians, now he was with the Ephesians for more than three and a half years. So this isn't a small sample. This, this isn't two weeks when he's on his best behavior. But he said, you know how I lived among you the whole time I was with you. And that kind of consistency in action, indeed, is is so important. Because if, if he wasn't consistent, if he couldn't say, um, uh, you know how I lived when I was among you, mm-hmm. um, they wouldn't have listened to anything he had to say. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's just not a, a, an opportunity. Um, I had somebody at the Bible study last night come up after and he was explaining some of the difficulties that he's been through in his walk with the Lord. And he said, you know, I was raised in a holiness church. In fact, my family, when I was growing up, lived with the pastor of the holiness church for a while. And he goes, things just weren't right. And, and, and I told him, I said, you know, one of the problems with most holiness of churches, churches is that there's not a lot of holiness. Mm-hmm. The Apostle Paul could say, look, I was with you for more than three years, mm-hmm. Ephesians. And you know how I lived. Is there any inconsistency? Did you did you hear me lose my temper? Did you hear me uh, using foul language? Uh, did you see me be behaving uh, in pride or or in any kind of an ungodly manner? Of course, they they would be able to say no. You know, when he writes to the church at Corinth, 
a church that was completely out of control and fleshy. He told them, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And, you know, if, if we can't say that in our walks, then it doesn't matter how good or how consistent our preaching is. If my life is inconsistent but my preaching is consistent, there's going to be no power at all in the preaching. Mm-hmm. If my life is consistent, and let's just say I'm an ordinary average preacher, Bible teacher, and um, but if I'm with Jesus, and if my life is consistent, he's going to give power to that message. And and so he, he was consistent in his walk with the Lord. Um, but, but equally impressive to me was that his message didn't change. No. I preach Christ and him crucified. He talks about declaring the glorious gospel of mm-hmm. Christ. Mm-hmm. And it was just the same thing. Yeah. And and that's antithetical to the example we see in a lot of churches where messages change, uh, where doctrines change, where we're chasing the new thing that's going through the church, mm-hmm. where we're trying to sign up in a 40 uh, Days of Purpose program mm-hmm. or some other thing. Mm-hmm. Instead of just opening our Bible and preaching, I think it was last Friday night, maybe the Friday before that, but we're teaching in Second Peter at the end of his life. He said, uh, it's right that I always remind you of these things. And in my paraphrase, he said, as long as there's breath in my body, I'm going to keep reminding mm-hmm. you of these things. Because mm-hmm. when the trials and the tests come, we forget. Um, you know, he says, I preach the same message to Jews and Greeks alike. He didn't have a different message for the Greeks that he had for the Jews. And, and we don't have a different message. You know, we you get kind of... Why don't we have a singles group? Why don't we have this group? Why do we that, have that yeah. group? You Over know? the years, I've got that hundred times. Yeah, and the same message is for everybody. Yeah, it's not a different message that we have to tailor to a certain group. It's, you know, I get the ladies. You never address the singles. Yes, if I'm teaching the Bible, I'm talking to singles as well. If you're not married, I'm talking to you because the Lord wants to prepare you for the guy who's coming. You know, but no, the message is the same, and it, it, it it's for everybody. And so he says, I preach the same message to the Greeks as I do to the Jews. There's no partiality. There's no change whatsoever. It's the same yeah. message. You know, Paul, there's a growing sentiment in the church and has been growing for many, many years. That, that says you've got to deal with women differently than you deal with men. You've got to deal with the older people differently than you deal with the younger people. You've got to tailor your message for the group that you're speaking to. And, and that's the biggest bunch of nonsense imaginable. Mm-hmm. Um, the message has to remain the same. And if we're inconsistent in our message, that's when we're going to leave people out. Now, you know, over the years, I've had droves of people coming to me and say, well, well, we need a college and career group, or we need a singles group. And I always tell them the same thing. You know, when you were in high school here, you always wanted to grow up, be treated like an adult. Now we're treated like adults. It's time to get in the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. There's no, like, in-between mm-hmm. phase. You're, you're a child or you're an adult. No, which are you? Mm-hmm. Well, I want to be around people my own age. I want to be able to network. And, and we have the same thing with singles groups versus married groups. And there's always a sense that, well, you always talk about marriage. Well, I talk about marriage when the Bible talks about marriage. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the Bible is for us individually. And there just isn't any need for that kind of division in the body of Christ, and yet we've embraced it because the people want it. Mm-hmm. Recovery groups. One of my biggest pet peeves is is churches that will take 12-step programs that are antithetical to what the Bible teaches and and sort of Christianize them up mm-hmm. so that they can put a Jesus spin on them and use exactly the same formula. There, there's... There's just no room for that in the church. Um, we don't teach uh, in our smaller Bible studies. We don't find somebody who's written a book and teach that. We teach the Bible. Yeah. In our children's ministries, I'm talking from nursery on up, yeah. the Bible is read and taught to those kids. And they grow up and they know it. Mm-hmm. i got a five-year-old who wants to take my job. <laughs> Nathan is such a blessing. He really knows his Bible, not yeah. just the kids' Bible. Yeah. He knows his Bible. I know. And he loves for me to throw him out test questions mm-hmm. and stuff. 
that's the fruit of being consistent with the message. And like Peter, you know, I'm I'm running down to the the, the end of my ministry, mm-hmm. practically speaking, and I'm going to keep repeating myself. I told everybody that Friday night, mm-hmm. yeah, just get used. You're going to be able to finish my sentences before <laughs> this is done. But we need to be reminded of those things. Yes, all the time, because we do forget. And the consistency. Thank you, Pastor Ron. And if you ever go off, I'm going to know it. I'm going to be looking at you like, uh-oh. We have to go to call David and Kenyatta Jones. It's time to put us in the home. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the phones have been quiet. If you have any questions for Paula, you need any encouragement, 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-630. KSLR. You're listening to the Date Day edition of the Word to Stand Up for Life. We'll be back in two minutes. If you have questions about the Bible, you can send them to Pastor Ron and he'll answer them on the air or reply directly to you. Email your questions to Pastor Ron KSLR at gmail.com. That's Pastor Ron KSLR at gmail.com. Back to the Word to Stand On for Life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the show, 340-9585. We've got 30 minutes left. Paula, before I know you're going to shift gears now, but we've had somebody uh, just send a question for, in our mobile app, John, uh, about something we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. He said, you just mentioned about the Ephesians thinking they were saved through the baptism by John, but Paul corrected it. If Paul had made that change, would their belief through the baptism of John still be credited to them as salvation? And he says, I asked this question with Jesus' discussion about letting other people acting in his name who were not part of the apostles in Mark chapter 9. God bless you and Paula. Thank you for that, John. Um, a, A couple of things. Um, the 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 Ephesian um, um, that the group uh, in in uh, Acts chapter nineteen um, they didn't have the same concept of being saved that you and I do. So it's not that they thought they were saved; they were Jews uh, who were disciples of John the Baptist. Now, not maybe direct disciples of John the Baptist. John has been dead, but 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 John had a lot of disciples. Um, we know that. Uh, John and James, the sons of thunder, were both disciples of John the Baptist. And so that would have uh, John's teaching, which would have been worldwide and famous, would have circulated everywhere. And so their hope was in the coming Christ. But make no mistake, they weren't saved. You can only be saved by being born again. They didn't have the information to be born again. And this is what I love, John, about about the, the Spirit of God. The man and the woman who is truly seeking God is going to find him. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, Paula, there was one day when they were walking and they find themselves in front of this sort of hunchback, um, a bow-legged, um, <laughs> raggedy, been beaten so many times apostle. Oh, so and and uh, Paul talks to him. He recognizes something's wrong. God gives him a word of knowledge. And he, he shares them the truth. And they gladly received it. The same thing is true. The same principle is true with the Ethiopian eunuch. Mm-hmm. And anybody else who's seeking God, they're going to find him. So, John, they were, were not saved. However, uh, there was no chance that they weren't going to be. Yeah. Because their hearts were, were genuinely mm-hmm. seeking mm-hmm. Um, the, 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 the Christ of God. And uh, they ran directly into him in the person of the Apostle Paul. The Mark... Uh, chapter 9 incident was something completely different. That was Jesus with his disciples and there was a little jealousy because somebody was was uh, claiming authority from God and doing uh, miraculous things. But, but do, you want, do you want us to stop them because they're not part of us? And Jesus basically just said, no, if they're not against, against us, they're for us, they're with us. Um, the, that's a picture of the work that's going to continue. So, um, um, two different ideas there, John, but no, they weren't saved. And the fact that the Bible calls them disciples in Acts chapter 19 has caused a lot of people to incorrectly assume that their 
um, is a second filling of the Holy Spirit uh, that has to be accomplished. Uh, well, they were believers, but they weren't filled with the Holy Spirit. They got filled later. And the truth is, we know that once we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're automatically filled with the Spirit. We've got the Spirit of God in His fullness, guaranteeing our inheritance in heaven. Good question, John. Thank you for tuning in. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. if you have any questions or comments for Paula. Uh, Paula is saying we have a phone call. Let me look. We got Jeff on line one from San Antonio. Jeff, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hi, Pastor Ron. I had to call back because Mama Paula's in the house. That's right. You need to say to her. <laughs> I was saying hi to you yesterday, and you know how good the Lord is because we were just talking about you and Veronica saying, I wonder, where are they? Haven't heard from Jeff in forever. And so you explained it all yesterday, so it was really good to hear your voice again. Welcome back. You know, it's good to, thank you. It's good to hear you, too. And I was, you are talking about the different kind of groups, and you left one out. We need a group that, hey, we're old, but we're still funky. We can still get down. <laughs> <laughs> I resemble that remark, you Jeff. Know, you're saying yeah, that. You we know, didn't need to bring that one up. We're doing that. <laughs> we're doing it already. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. No, Pastor Ron, I wanted you to kind of stretch out commentary on something I heard from our our dearly beloved Joni Erickson Tata recently. Oh. Um, I heard a, uh, a podcast interview with her. It was pretty recent. And they were they asked her to explain a statement that she made that it said, in the worst of times, Christians and should be at their best. And she said, in, in, in response to that, when they said, what do you mean by that? She said, I wrote it down. I think we're at our best when we remain hopeful and confident in God and his hold on the future and also prayerful and expectant. And then she said this, and this is where I want you to go. I'm a big believer that God permits what he hates to accomplish the things that he loves. Hmm. God permits what he hates to accomplish things that he loves. And that just blew me away, especially for coming from her, you know, who's, who's, who's still sharing this message of life and hope with the world after spending more than 50 years in a wheelchair. Uh, but how, how germane that comment is to us right now with all the circumstances, everything that we're just starting to go through. And I wondered if you would just stretch on that a little bit. Yeah, I I can, Jeff. You know, uh, Johnny Erickson Tata has more faith in her little teeny tip of her paralyzed finger on one hand than than I have in my whole being. And she's one of those people. You know, people say wheelchair bound. This is terrible, and and she's not wheelchair bound at all. She's wheelchair free. She can she can do things. She can speak. For the Lord, she's also dealing with breast cancer. I mean, think about all these things that 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 she's got going on, and yet she is decided. And when you talk about sacrificing those he loves to win those who hate him, or to accomplish things that he loves, um, what what Johnny um, Tata understands, I think, better than most of us is that God loves the unsaved people in this world so much that he's willing to sacrifice his own servants in order to win their hearts. I mean, all we have to do is read 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and, and list all the things that Paul had to, had to deal with. And, and Paul, on the road to Damascus, when Jesus apprehended him, we're told that, that he was told all the things that he would suffer. God's saying, look, I'm going to sacrifice you. And, and if Paul, even for a moment, is Saul of Tarsus, said, well, that's not fair. Uh, God would have looked at him and Jesus said, yeah, I know it wasn't fair when my father sacrificed me. Mm-hmm. But in order to win those who hate him, and we're all enemies of God until we're born again, God is willing to inflict hardship on people that he loves. And I can tell you this from Johnny Erickson's um, 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 story. Um, Personally, I know this, is that she would not 
exchange a healthy body. If God said to her, I'll, I'll wipe out all of your illness, all of your disease, all of your paralysis, and you can walk, and we'll go backwards in time and let you start over. Um, Johnny would say no because of the power of God that she's seen through her life and the work that God has done. Now, I would think that I probably would say, okay, let's do this. You know, in pride, think, well, if I was able to be used when I was in this wheelchair, imagine how I could be used. Johnny said, I love God so much. I know he loves me at such a depth. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade anything for what I already know. And to me, it's always been one of the amazing things. We, you know, we ask questions. Well, why do good people suffer, and why do do, do some people die as martyrs? Why, the, the you know, James, the first of the apostles to die as a martyr, he wouldn't have ever asked that question. They knew they were going to give their lives for Christ. We just live in a time where we don't think we ought to have to, and I think when we do that, we forget the message of the cross. Jesus didn't have to die. He chose to. And Jeff, that's just one of those things. We, When we have no strength of our own, we have to depend completely on the power of God. And Johnny Erickson Tata has done that as well, if not better, than anybody uh, in my lifetime that, that I'm aware of. And I'm sure God has these people all over the world. <laughs> but uh, of those that I am aware of, uh, she has been an absolute giant. Yeah. You know, the last thing you said in our study last night um, was people need us, meaning Christians, um, the most when they are at their lowest point. And so Jeff's point, too, was, you know, we need to be so close to Jesus that um, our confidence of the hope that we have in Christ will exude and rub off on others that so we could say, yes, he understands you're going through a difficult time, but he's still here with us. Come on, let's get up, let's go. Other people need to see that we're on our way to heaven. You know, I'm I'm real good with comfort, as I, I've shared on this program before. And so had the Lord come to me and, you know, if I'm in that same spot as Jerry, Joni Erickson Tata, and says, would you trade it? You know, in my flesh of comfort, I would say, in a minute, yes, because I like comfort. Um, but she has said she would not be as close and know the Lord um, in the intimacy that she does had she not gone through all of these things. And like you're saying, to see how she's been able to be used um, by the Lord. Uh, you know, when Jesus died and that the centurion was there, you talk about the sacrifice, you know. God gave his own son. Uh, the centurion looks up at the way Jesus died and says, he truly was the son of God. There's something about the way God's servants leave this world going to be with him forever um, that has such a great impact. Those people have been uh, serious heroes for me. And... Um, I, I would pray that I wouldn't want to escape the pain and stuff, even though in my flesh, that's the first thing I want to do. Um, but to stay steadfast, immovable, um, knowing that Jesus, who is always holding my hand, and uh, his left arm is under my back and his right arm over my chest, that I would, that means he is, his, his still small voices in my right ear. I always that's picture I have that he's saying, "Hang in there, I'm right here. I'm not gonna let you go." Um, and seriously, I don't know. It's like one of my friends. She prays, "Lord, thank you for the trials because it keeps me closer to you." Well, I'm not praying that. In, in everything, give thanks. That's what the, not for thanks. everything. Yeah. But in everything, give thanks. Yeah. You know, when, when I said last night, and this is what Jeff was getting at, you know, uh, we have to be at our best when people are at their worst. Mm -hmm. That means we have to be willing 
to be in, at our best when we're at our worst we're as well. At our worst, yeah. and, and the way we do that is to die, just to die to ourselves. Uh, it's what Paul meant when he said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes, because we get consumed with our, our difficulties, I think sometimes, Paula, we, we, we think, well, well, I can't serve. I don't feel good. Or, this isn't fair. I don't believe this. I'm scared. You know, we get a bad doctor's report or something. And, and, and it's in those times, and this is what Johnny Erickson Tata has, has learned, it's in those times when she can empty herself in fact, she has to empty herself. That's why God can use her when other people are at their worst. You know, when she is doing a, a message uh, at a church on a stage somewhere, um, there's nobody who can can look at her and say, "Well, you don't understand what I'm for going sure. through." For sure. And yet, yet she can deny. This is a, a woman now who, for 50 years, has been cared for in every facet of her life. She can't do anything um, for herself. Mm-hmm. And yet, through her, God does marvelous and powerful things for others. And that's the power of God. And in, in order to experience the power of God in our lives, we've got to be weak. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. If I'm strong, I depend on my strength. But if I'm weak, then I have to get out of my own way and say, Okay, Lord, I want to be used. You want to use me. I can't do it on my own. And the power of God will come and that just changes people's lives. It'll change uh, ours. But this is a, a woman who is a heroine of our faith um, and unfortunately doesn't get a lot of credit. Um, not that she needs it or seeks it, uh, but uh, we don't like it when somebody strips away all of our excuses for not being active in sharing the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we we don't have any excuse. Um Jeff, thank you. It's always good to hear from mm-hmm. you. Give your cute wife a hello for me, baby. <laughs> you must be gone. Okay, so before we before we go home today, I wanted to uh, kind of look at this prayer, Ron, and it's Philippians, where Paul and uh, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ, they're uh, addressing this prayer to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, and then he says. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Because, of course, that's where grace and peace come from. I could say grace and peace to you, Pastor Ron, from me. But, <laughs> yeah, no. He says, and this is, this is, I love this because I always say this. I love my church. I love our church. And so Paul did too. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you. And again, I love my church since I have you in my heart for whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel All of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. See, I, I think every Christian ought to memorize that yeah. introduction to Philippians. Mm-hmm. So you think about what you're going to say. We're going to take a phone call. We've got James calling from Belmont. James, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Yeah, hi, Pastor Ron. Uh, it's James again. I, um, uh, What's up, James? I know, I know that there's families, and I personally know of a couple of families that are in your radio listening area, and I just wanted to ask you if you would lead all of us, the people listening to you, um, for those that are home, and home isn't necessarily safe, um, for those that are unequally yoked and they're questioning their faith, um, for those that need courage and need support and need to remember to to ask and to reach out. And for those of us 
not to be silent, but to make ourselves present and offer ourselves um, in service. And I, I would just ask that if you could um, lead us um, as a following on your radio station here at 630. Thank you, James. I'll do that. And, you know, let me, I, I can't pray any better than James just did. He, he didn't put it in the form of a prayer, but that's, that's exactly what it was. Um, you know, um, pray with me, Father. We know there are so many people who are hurting, so many people in harm's way. That's one of the reasons, Lord, you had us um, build Manor House. Um, we know there are people who in this quarantine situation are not in in good circumstances. We know uh, believers married to unbelievers. We know the pain and the emptiness of those kind of relationships. Father, we ask that your spirit would fall upon each and every one of them. Give them hope and give them direction. As James indicated, Lord, May we be available to those that we know are hurting. Not just with a text, but a phone call. How can I pray for you? Lord, let us be instant in season and out in every circumstance. And Jesus, finally, I want to, I'm reminded, I want to pray again today for Hindel and Mike. I pray for Mike's health. Um... Please, Lord, sustain him. We pray for his salvation. I ask, O oh God, by the power of your Spirit, that he would have an encounter with the living God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, and become your son. For him to give her strength and give her hope. We love you, Jesus, and we're grateful. Amen. So thank you, James, and your heart... Oh. Thank you, James. Your heart always blesses us. Thank you a lot. Well, Paula, we got now just five minutes for you to say what you're going to say. When I was reading this, and I, I did good this, this time when I read that, right? But now mm-hmm. that James has called and... Now you're crying? Oh, now I'm crying, <laughs> yeah. You know, thinking about the unequally yoked, those who are weak in faith, and those who are in, in harm's way. Whether and, and of course, you know about that. You prayed for me for 13 years. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the unequally yoked and the weak in the faith and lacking courage and um, feeling less in purpose. That That's another thing. People who can't go to church and aren't able to serve in the ministries that they may have always been in, they're feeling a lack of purpose now, you know. Um, and so that prayer was was really needful. And for those who need encouragement, um, remember look up look up I know it's hard when you're in the house and um, you can see the problems you know especially those who are in harm's physically harm way and even verbally harmed way that's so difficult um, but you get away get away and have some some time with the Lord you could always have you know get an hour if you can get away from it all and just let Jesus tell you how much he loves you. And, um, you know, as Paul is praying this in Philippians, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You can find it. You can really, you really can find it. And, and, and you know, with our Lord, who's ever interceding on our behalf, um, you know, find your hope in him. And as Pastor Ron was praying, that that was the hope. Um, and Jesus is watching. He knows it all. He hasn't forgotten you. And, um, man, but this breaks my heart that some of us are in those, some of you are in those situations right now. And um, this too will come to pass. So hang in there. Tough. Say anything else about Philippians 1? I want to thank, you know. you got two minutes. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. You know, we've been praying for Hindles. Um, just prop her up, Lord. 
prop her up and, and hold her close. Let her know how much you love her. Well, we're praying that for all. And, and we can pray with Thanksgiving because she's been a, a pillar yep, for, been a for her faith in the Lord. Yep. And those are just the kind of things that we need to deal with. Yeah. You know, Paula, you said something before uh, James call. Um, you say, I love my church. You know, I, I, I hope everybody in the audience can really hear how much Paul loves this church. Um, you know, he, he founded the church. Uh, now he's writing to them from prison. Mm-hmm. He's not worried about his circumstances. He's overflowing with joy mm-hmm. because they've overcome their circumstances. Mm-hmm. And they're sort of validating his ministry. It's, it's like he's in prison where he could be discouraged and the enemy's lying to him. Mm-hmm. But he's saying, no, 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 I know exactly what, mm-hmm. um, what God is doing um, because the Philippians prove it. Mm-hmm. And that's really an important thing. Yeah. Well, Paula, we're inside one minute now, so what, what do you, how do you want to sign off today? Well, for those of you who have been praying for our um, high school and all of our events, I just want you to know they're happening as far as we can tell. We're very, very hopeful, so keep praying. Thank you. We want our 2020 seniors to have graduation and yes. luncheon and banquet and all those other things. Yes. Hey, thank you for tuning in today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he wrap his arms around you and, and hold you so tightly you never want to move away from him again. That's right. You've been listening to The Word of Standing for Life. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. God is the word to stand for.